Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion about books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today, our topic is books about books, <laughs> which we have done before, but it is one of my favorite categories of books, truly. I cannot resist a book about books. So this came up again as a topic that we hadn't done in a little while, so we thought we'd revisit it, talk about some newer books to our reading lives. What do you think the appeal is, Anne? Maybe this is an obvious question, but what is the appeal of a book about books? So it's a little hard for me to answer this because we've gone into this before that I do not love books about books. <laughs> so, um, so I may be the wrong person to ask, but I am also... I think I think the issue for me is that I am the same way they where they they sound so appealing to me and then I'm so often disappointed by them. Mm-hmm. And so for the appeal side of it, I guess I do understand where it's this this world that we're already if you're a big reader, you're already so wrapped up in and feel so comfortable in and then to have like another layer of it mm-hmm. added to it, it's like a blanket on a blanket. Mm-hmm. And so um so I I think they sound great but I don't love reading them (laughs) Uh, what do you what's your feeling on it like if as someone who loves reading them what's what's the what what makes it well I love books so reading (laughs) really yes I don't know if you knew that but I do I didn't no reading stories that exemplify that love of reading and like what it means to love reading I don't know Mm -hmm. it just hits that place in my heart that I feel like yes this is exactly why I love reading it's because it helps you empathize with people it helps you see the world in new ways it helps you connect with people it's just all those things so I think that's yeah that's generally why I like them there's just something plus Mm -hmm. certain I don't know well I guess one of the books I'm talking about today but sometimes books about books are fun to read because they give you ideas of more books to read. They'll be mm-hmm. about, I'm thinking of The Reading List by Sarah Nanisha Adams, which we talked about maybe in our previous Books About Books episode or when we talked about no, library and bookstore books yeah. or something like that. But yeah. anyway, we talked about that book before. And that basically gives you a, a, a list of books to read after you're done with mm-hmm. it of all these excellent books. So that's part of it too. It's you sort of get ideas of other things to read and get to hear what other people like about books. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of like being in a book club. (laughs) It's sort of like hearing what reading means to other people. Yeah. Well, there's also, I mean, so much of, of one of, one of the things that people look for in reading as a, I guess a comfort is, it comes from familiarity. And so to be in, a space where they're talking about a thing you're already really familiar mm-hmm. with. It's it's just feels it feels very familiar and very comforting yes. and and very very cozy. And so and as we'll get into, not all the books we're talking about are in that vein of of comfort, yes. <laughs> but there's still there's still something about um like the one of the books I'm going to talk about, it's it's a thriller and and is very central to books, but having a little bit of knowledge already about that world is like oh well I'm I'm already I'm already in this I'm not I'm not just coming to it and I have to figure out like how 
spies right work because i don't know anything about that i already am a little bit familiar with this and so right. there's so even if it's not a comforting read there's still a sense of i'm hitting the ground running with this i guess and so um so that to me is it's like i don't know maybe for people who aren't maybe for more casual readers than we are then then it wouldn't have quite as much appeal but um i think for many many people who love books it has this like oh this is already my this is already a space I've claimed right and now. I just get to have more of it. So. Right. Yeah. That's a good point because I like learning things also about the publishing industry. I find that interesting, mm-hmm. the behind the scenes yeah, yeah. of books. And sometimes these books, depending on, depending on the book, obviously, sometimes you get a little piece of that too. Like the, it, maybe you're reading about an author, you're reading about uh, somebody who works for a publishing company or something when you read these books about books. So some that's a, mm-hmm. a piece of the fun too, I think, is it's yeah. sort of like that sneak peek into the behind the scenes of the book world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would be a fun topic sometime of, of um, books in books about publishing. Oh, because yeah. Because there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them, and... yeah. There's one right now mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I sort of jokingly said I should have I started it and I wasn't quite in the right mood for it, but Yellow Face uh, by oh right 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 RL no who RF, RF Kong thank you that um, is really a very buzzy book this year and it's about mm-hmm. publishing an, an author stealing another author's work mm-hmm. and publishing it as her own and yeah that would be fun there are a lot of books about publishing. Yee, Ooh, let's, let's do that. We'll add that to make the list. a note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead. And why don't you share your first your first pick? Ooh. Okay. But first, okay. um, let's say let's say the oh, we had ta- we had talked off off mic. Is that how the expression <laughs> offline? <laughs> yeah. In our in our real lives, books the the primary market for these types of books is often uh white women oh and yes i think publishing can kind of reflect that sometimes and so i i know for me i struggled to find books that were diverse yes. but that i that they definitely exist but either i haven't read them or we've talked about them yes more recently so apologies that this is not yes. the most yes. diverse thank you i had list. forgotten that we had talked about that we had talked about stating that yes that i came up with several of them but i literally have just talked about them within the last yeah. four or five episodes and then other ones that we've just talked about over the years that i didn't want to talk about again but yes this is this is a um a hole in the publishing industry i think is that a lot of the books that are written are by and about white people so yeah that is yeah uh, and and some of them like there were a couple that I considered that I thought this is a stretch to call this a book about right. books and so I'm I felt like it I don't know it's yeah. it's always these are the things that we think yeah. about as we're right right considering what to well talk yeah about. we try to give a little bit of a variety you know we don't give three books with very similar plots if you're listening we're trying to give you we know not everybody has the same taste and so we're trying to give right. people. Uh, different recommendations based on the things that they might like in a book and and part of that is different perspectives and so yeah we do try we do try to incorporate that and this one was a tough one to do for us right right and not that they're not Um, out there but we've just already talked about a lot of the ones that we personally have read so yeah and we have to have read the book to talk about it so um anyway so my uh first book is the stranger diaries by ellie oh this is good and this is yeah, I love yeah. this book. This and this is a great example. So, so I know when we talked about books about books 
in the past, I said the reason that I struggle with um, with the topic it, or or often I'm disappointed with it is that sometimes it can feel a little bit like just throwing a lot like kind of the opposite of, of what you mean when you say you get a bunch of book recommendations because that sounds really mm-hmm. fun but when it's just sort of gratuitous and I've read this too and this is this relates to this book like it can kind of feel like a lot of books with book titles without a lot of uh with just filler plot I guess to me um at, at least in my experience of reading several of those of books like that that I was like this might not be the sub the subgenre for me and so this one is a made up book and everything revolves around that made up or it's a short story actually and so this is the perfect thing for me of a a book about books because it's like it's not just hinging on being in a bookstore and name dropping a bunch of of books or something so um but this so this is a book um it's a, a mystery that's about a woman named claire cassidy and she is an english teacher at a school in sussex called uh talgirth uh high school i don't remember enough about british school structure to know if a high school means a private like i know private and public schools are opposite of what we right think in the u.s but i don't know exactly what a high school is so i would think this is a private school based on the story but um any any british people tell me (laughs) what what this all means so so she works at the school and it's actually the home of an author from the 19th century named rm holland and he was a, a gothic um writer and luckily claire is an expert on this author, R.M. Holland, and she is writing a biography about him and has access to all of these, like the spaces where he wrote his books and, and all of his papers and things. And so this is, is great for her. So she is also, um, he wrote a, a short story, and, and this is all made up. This isn't a real person. He's famous for a short story called The Stranger, and she's especially a fan of that and is, is you know, concentrating on that in her writing. But... Um, I I can't remember how it plays out exactly. It's been a few years since I've read this, but she's horrified that a friend of hers and and a colleague at the school named Ella is found murdered. And a line from the stranger is written on a note that's left with the body that says hell is empty. And so this is very unsettling to her. So um, it's obviously this is terrifying to everyone at the school. Ella is a, a, had been a very popular teacher so so this is very disconcerting but then strange things start to happen to claire um and she starts to notice that in her diary someone seems to be writing in it and leaving notes for her in her in the diaries that she keeps for herself and so it's like who is who has access to this she knows that no one has access to it is it a ghost that's writing to her it's it's all very very chilling so it's actually a book that's told in multiple perspectives so you also get the perspective of her 15 year old daughter, Georgia, who is very mature for her age and has different viewpoints from what her mother is seeing. And then there's also the detective sergeant named Harbinder Carr, who is the um, investigator on the case. And she is hiding that she's a lesbian from her traditional Sikh family. And she is living at home. So this is very difficult to do. And she's just such a great character. She's so well done. Um, she's kind of grumpy, but she was a student at Halgarth, or sorry, Talgarth herself. And so there's baggage that she's bringing to investigating this case and being in this in this um, 
this uh, building again. So, but, but ultimately she's super smart and she's super confident, but she's really trying to figure out how to come into her, her own as a person. And so, um, so you get that character development from her and this turned out, I don't know if this was intended from the beginning, but um, this turned out to be the first book in a series about her. And so, um, so I've, I've read the second book and have enjoyed sort of following her trajectory since then. So, but what, what I loved the most about this is that it has this delicious gothic tone um, along with the police procedural mystery and the text of the stranger, the short story that, that Claire is studying, it's also included within the book. So you get to read that itself too. Um, and the story I remember being very creepy and atmospheric and it has ties to what is happening in the current day with, with Claire. So um, I just remember being so swept up in this book and that it got me out of huge reading slump and it was, it was completely delightful to be in this, this space. And so, like I said, this, this was the first in the series and the next book um, about Harbinger Carr is, is also very, very good, but doesn't have that Gothic mm -hmm. tone to it. But, um, but is, is still quite uh, enjoyable. So I recommend it a lot. I loved it. It is called The Stranger Diaries by Ellie Griffiths. I'm trying to think now. I really liked this one. I'm trying to think if I ever went on and continued reading the next one in the series. I think it just came out like late last year. Oh, did it? Yeah, so, then I haven't so read it So there's been yet. a little bit of a gap. Yeah, yeah it's called uh, Bleeding Heart Yard was the second book. And um, yeah, there. I think, I, I mean, Ellie Griffiths is so prolific and I realized I hadn't read any of her other series. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then I thought, oh gosh, I've really been missing out on not getting into them because I thought this was quite good. Well, thanks for the reminder. Now I'm going to have to go read the second one. <laughs> Do it. All right. My first one is The the Wishing Game by Meg Schaefer. Oh, yeah. You were so excited about this This is one. a fun one. This is just a really... I don't know if you would like it now that I've got to say this one. I just thought it was the most <laughs> charming story. It was one of those escapist stories for me where I just... Yeah. Started reading it and got totally sucked into the world and just, I don't know, just loved loved the reading experience on this one. It is about a woman named Lucy Hart, who is a 26-year-old kindergarten teaching assistant. When she was growing up, she has a sister who, now I can't recall what exactly is wrong with her, but she has a pretty significant health problem. And so her parents basically neglected Lucy in favor of her sister um, because oh. her sister needed a lot of attention. I want to say even maybe Lucy goes and lives with her grandparents or something. Now I can't quite remember. I'm sorry. I didn't even read this book that long ago, but I don't remember this. I don't remember this <laughs> detail, but definitely she has parents who she is. She grows up thinking her parents don't love her basically because they pay so much attention to her sister. And so her her respite from this, her escape from her real life, is a series of books uh, written by some a man named Jack Masterson, and they're called the Clock Island Books, and they are a fantasy series, and they're all about children who, like any fantasy series that if you've read, you know, middle grade fantasy series, think Harry Potter, other series like that, uh, it's these children who get to battle forces of good and evil and they always get to come out on top or there are these mysteries that they have to solve the children are the smart ones in the story and the adults are the the not so smart ones and things like that so lucy loves these books she finds a lot of comfort in these books 
And one day when she is 13, she decides actually to run away from home and try to go to the real Clock Island, which is where the author of these books lives. And he is, it's a, it's a an island, like a private island. He He's the only one who lives on this island. And she shows up at his door and he is very, very kind, takes her in, but then ultimately gets her back to her family, right? He's not going to to adopt this girl who shows up on his doorstep, but he's extremely, <laughs> extremely kind to her. So now as an adult, Lucy has a student in one of her classes where he is in foster care and she has really formed an attachment to this child and he has to her. And so her dream is to be able to adopt him and have a family of her own basically and have start forming the life that she's always longed for. But because she is a teaching assistant, she doesn't make very much money and she is not financially stable enough to be able to apply to adopt him or even to apply to foster him. She needs a better living situation and a better transportation situation. She just doesn't have that stable lifestyle that she would need to be able to take him in. And then Jack Masterson has not written a new Clock Island book in several years and so it's a big deal when he announces that he has written the next in the series but he's actually going to have a competition and he's going to invite four people to clock island to participate in this competition and whoever wins will get the copy of the the new book to do with as with 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 as they please and so this is a great opportunity because these books are like, I mean, consider them like Harry Potter. <laughs> they are going mm-hmm. to sell a, a ridiculous number of copies. So if you own the original and can publish that or sell it to a publisher, you're, you're pretty likely to make a fair bit of money. And so this could be Lucy's opportunity to get her financial stability that she needs to be able to adopt this little boy. And she is one of the four people who is invited to the island to participate in this competition. So this is a little bit like... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is a a story Mm -hmm. that I loved when I was younger. And it's just very heartwarming. It's very whimsical, but it has it has like a good a good heart to it. It's all about just what I said at the beginning. It's about what books can mean to people, what stories can mean to people, uh, but Mm -hmm. also how that impacts your real life and 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 you can't always just escape into a story you have to take the lessons you learn in a story and and apply them in real life so i loved this one because the good combination of there were these puzzles that had to be figured out during the competition um, but also the story of lucy and how she was going to try to make this life for herself there's some resolution about her her sister and her parents that that comes in the story. There's a little bit of romance for Lucy in the story. So I don't know. It just it just hit a, like the perfect spot for me uh, when I read it. And that's the Wishing Game by Meg Schaefer. It does sound very fun, and I'm looking at a copy of it right now. I think you'll I, think it's too twee. Yeah. I personally like that's where I think you'll land on it. But I, it, it, sometimes I can be surprising with that. Though. Yeah, that's true. That's might, true. I'd say give it a yeah. shot. I thought it was just a nice escape. That's like I said, yeah. it's just a really lovely story. And I think if I think knowing that going into it would it helps um, or would help if I if I do end up getting to it before uh, committee right. <laughs> stuff is over. Um, but uh, I think that some of the marketing has made it seem like a mystery, 
and that it doesn't sound like that's really the case of of what it is so so probably if i went into it thinking this is supposed to be a mystery that might not right no it's yeah work for me it's it's definitely more of what we call relationship fiction where yeah it's sort of like the heart and the uh, um, sorry the cerulean sea what's the first part of that the The house house in the it's sort of like that where it's like there's a there's a this sort of adventure competition story that yeah the rapper but then at the heart of it it's it's a relationship story yeah and like i said a little bit of romance you just have to know that going into it i think for you and your reading taste yeah 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 it looks very fun but but we'll see um okay next is the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society by marianne schaefer and annie barrows and I hesitated to talk about this because it is such a super, super, super famous book. And so it feels a little bit like, why would I tell people about this? But to be honest, every book that I had was a mystery. <laughs> so I picked this because I felt bad about that. And I didn't want that to be the only thing that uh, I suggested. And also because if you're like me and you stayed away from this book for years because you thought it was going to be too twee, then I want to speak to those people and say this is a fantastic book and it wasn't at all what I expected it still is very charming but I I thought based on the title it it was going to be not a book for me so um so if you have not read this and you have thought it might not be a book for you I thought the same thing so (laughs) I will uh advocate for it so this is set just after World War II And a young woman, um, I think she's in her early 30s, actually, named Julia Ashton, is a popular book writer who writes under a pseudonym. And she lives in London, and she is looking for a new project, and she wants it to be under her own name at this point. And so one day she gets a letter from a man named Dozzy Adams, who tells her that he has found her name written in the front of a book. I can't remember what kind of book it is now, but, but he he says that he he bought this book and found her name and so they start this correspondence and dozzy lives on guernsey which is an island in the english channel and it is uh the only part of britain that was occupied by the nazis during world war ii and so through their correspondence they share you know kind of some information at the beginning of how this how he found this book and how why he decided to write to her. But as they write, they begin to share their love of literature through their letters to each other. And then as that friendship develops, then they start to go into details about how they each survived the war. And so Dazi tells her about this book that he belongs to called the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. And that piques Juliet's interest. And so he um, puts her in contact with some other members of the group and she starts to correspond with them. And so she becomes close to to all these people through these letters. And so eventually she decides that this is going to be the subject of her, her book and that she wants to explore this community on Guernsey and she decides that she needs to go there to meet them um, and especially wants to meet Dazzy because she's feeling very close to him and um, once she gets there she meets a little girl named Kit who is the daughter of a woman who had belonged to the society but disappeared during the war and she builds a bond with this with this little girl as well and there's the question of of what happened to her mother so 
everything I've said kind of indicates that this book could go in a very cloying yes, direction, yeah. but it's very frank or, or a lot, a lot more frank about the horrors of war than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I remember still there, like all of these are letters. This is an epistolary novel. And I remember there being a part where Julia is describing something that happened during the war and she just tells it in such a matter of fact way and it's so it's so dark but it's surrounded in all of in this very light packaging and it just really struck me how how well that was done it's it's a really really charming story but it's not a frivolous story mm-hmm. at all that's a perfect and, way to put it yeah oh thank you um and i remember staying up all night to read this like i desperately needed to go to sleep and i just could not put it down because it's it's very fast moving but it's it's um so it's easy to not be able to put it down but also i just had to find out what would happen with this with these people so so like i said the book is very charming but there's a little bit of a a sadness to it and i think that that kind of reflects the the story of the book itself um so the author the original author was marianne schaefer and she was a librarian who wanted to write a book that was her her lifelong dream but before she could finish it she was diagnosed with cancer and so she asked her niece annie barrows to help her finish the book and annie barrows had written some other i think children's books if i'm remembering right i think that's right i'd I feel like that's what she was writing. And so she did, but Marianne died um, just a few more, a few months before the book was published. And so she never saw the impact that her book had and what a huge, really cultural phenomenon it was. So the story and the, and the author's story, both to me really reflect the power of books in our lives and like how life-changing they can be and how they can take you down paths that you, you don't ever expect and and as book lovers i know we both relate to that i'm I'm gonna get very saccharine here but but like our friendship is based on yeah on being book lovers and like we came into each other's lives because of that and so so just the ways that like you love this thing and it just takes you down a a path that you never knew was going to happen to you and that's very very great so um so i just love this i don't own a copy but i need to get one because i would consider it a favorite and that is the literary uh, or sorry the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society by marianne schaefer and annie barrows this book is so good in fact as you were talking i was thinking the exact same thing you just said which is i need to re i need to reread this and i need a copy of this book i love yeah. this book so much and it had such a chokehold on the bestseller list and book club right. reading for a while that it does feel like most most people probably have read it. But I am sure there are people who have not read it because either maybe we've talked about this before, even maybe they were at a time in their life where they weren't reading as much or mm-hmm. that wasn't to their taste. You know, tastes change over the years and mm-hmm. or uh, habits change passions change so yeah if you haven't read this one definitely definitely add it to your list i think it has a lot of appeal for a lot of different kinds of readers and right it's it's not the potentially like light-hearted read that you think it might be Mm -hmm. if you hear that description like you said um it's so good it's so well done it's so it's so bittersweet that the the original author passed away before it was published because right. it really did see such huge success and still does, I'm sure. Um, right, even right. To this day. Well, and and it's also like kind of weirdly reflective of the book of like of the story because it has this woman in the in the story who has this huge impact that she never right. sees in in 
all these right. people's lives yeah. and so it's it's just very interesting yeah. but but yeah I, I definitely read it when I lived here and so I moved here in oh wow really that recently so, interesting yeah and so it was it came out what oh gosh 2012 20 I would think 2008 something like that yeah maybe gosh a long yeah. so it took me forever to to read it yeah. so I think that there are probably plenty of other people in those same circumstances so yeah and so many books get compared to it too it's right that was kind of the go-to for a while for epistolary novels for world war ii books there were just a mm-hmm. lot of books that got compared to guernsey literary and potato peel pie society and they I made wondered. a movie of it but i never watched the yeah. movie. yeah i did and i thought it was i think that's probably why i read it because the the i definitely didn't read it for the podcast and i'm guessing that it probably the movie was coming out mm-hmm. and i finally decided to read it because yeah. I think it, it I, know, I know I was in this apartment yeah. when that happened, but yeah. Fascinating. Well, my next one is the Door to Door Bookstore by Karsten Hen. And this is kind of an under the radar book. It was published just in the last few months, maybe the last four or five months, but I didn't hear much about this. And Mm-mm. I do think it's it's a good book. Of, it's a good book about books. So if, if it sounds interesting, I would pick it up. It's about Carl Kohlhoff, who spends his days walking around his small German town because he delivers books from the local bookstore to customers who can't come to the bookstore for whatever reason. And he's been doing this work for decades and he really loves it. And for many of the customers, he might be their only contact with the outside world. And you you learn their stories throughout the novel so you understand what situations they're in that would lead to that sort of reclusiveness or or whatever it might be that prevents them from interacting with the outside world and that Carl is their, their link. And he takes great pride, which <laughs> I think you'll appreciate this, Anne, too. He takes really great pride in finding just the right book for each individual <laughs> customer. So he knows their tastes and so he can predict what they're they will like or what they won't like and so he loves when he gets to deliver books that he thinks oh this is really gonna hit that sweet spot for them and so one day he is on his delivery route and suddenly he is joined by this little nine-year-old girl who is in this bright yellow jacket and her name is so i don't know if it's sasha or shasha it's spelled as if it's shasha but i'm not sure how to say that in german (laughs) um but um (laughs) She says, she's been watching him, and she says she wants to come with him on his delivery route. She's just decided she's going to join him. And he tries to kind of push her off and say, no, 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 you don't want to come with me. I don't want you with me. You're going to slow me down. I don't want you with me. And she's just really, really not going to let it go. She is going to come with him. And so she just keeps joining him. She's a very persistent little girl. And then around the same time that she starts walking with him, the new there's a new owner of uh, the bookstore and the new owner has decided that they are going to stop this delivery service it's not making them enough money they don't see the reason to do it the, there aren't that many customers who participate in it so carl is no longer going to have this job or even probably work for the bookstore anymore and so he's not sure what's going to become of of hit himself for his future what he's going to do next and he's an older man at this point Um, but also his customers he he's heartbroken for his customers because he knows that this is an important service to them this this holds us a significant place in their lives and so he's not sure what's going to happen to them either and so this is just 
such a sweet story. You get to see Carl. You get to see his relationship develop with this little girl. You get to know, like I said, all of the customers on his route. And it's it's all about the connections that form, like you just said, based on books, like the people that maybe <laughs> you wouldn't have something in common with. You can really find these ways of communicating and connecting because you, you love to read or you love books. I loved this one. It's the Door-to-Door Bookstore by Karsten Henn. Is that one a translation? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. German? Yeah, I hadn't heard about that one at all. I actually reviewed it. I do, um, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. I review books for Booklist Magazine. And this was one of the books I was assigned to review. And yeah, I just never, I I, I never heard much about it. And what's interesting is I don't always know when the books are coming out. I get assigned them months before publication. And so I write my review and I send it in and Quite honestly, I often don't look at when what the publication date is because it doesn't affect my reading of it. Right. I have an advanced reader's copy to review. And so I kind of don't know when things are coming out. And so if they never get talked about, I think, well, did that did that come out yet? I don't really know. Mm-hmm. One book I, I reviewed was One Summer in Savannah, which has actually gotten kind of... And another one was The Collected Regrets of Clover. And those have gotten mm-hmm. a bit of buzz. So I kind of knew yeah, yeah. when they were coming out. But yeah, this one, I, when I was going to talk about it, I thought, oh, I need to look this up and make sure it actually was published. And it was. So, um, but yeah, hmm. so trying to draw more attention to it because I really liked it. Sounds good. Um, okay. Well, a hard turn <laughs> to our last our last book uh, or my last book. It's called The Last Word by Taylor Adams. And this is a suspense novel and it's scary. <laughs> it's very scary. It, is it very was very scary, scary I have to read me. this, yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's about a woman named Emma who is house sitting at a beach home on the uh, coast of Washington. And it's the off season. And so it's a very remote location anyway. But because it's the off season, there's no one around at all. She has her golden retriever, Lyco, with her. And that's basically it. But she does know that she has a neighbor. There's someone else in a a neighboring house that's I'm picturing a little far, like further down the beach. and uh, it's a, a man in this house who's named Deke, and she hasn't met him, but they communicate with each other via a whiteboard and binoculars. And so they have this like hangman mm-hmm. game going together, and they write messages back and forth. And I can't remember now why they can't meet up in real life. I, I, I don't remember if it's by choice or if he well, she's, has. She doesn't want to interact with anybody right isn't that part of it right yeah that's what i i mean i know that's part of the the thing but i was trying to remember if there's like another if he tries to come over or anything i can't remember that but like you said it's clear that something has happened to her and that she's isolating herself on purpose and she that comes out as the book goes on but but this is this is a a choice for her um, that has sort of um this opportunity has fallen into her lap and then it's setting up an isolation that she's looking for. So um, so she spends all her time reading, basically, and she doesn't really care what she reads. And so she downloads a lot of, uh, like, direct-to-Kindle books that she can get. And I think I think probably people know the type of right. book that I'm, I'm talking about. And so one day she, the book that she reads is a slasher novel by a, an author named H.G. Kane, and Deke had mentioned it to her um, in their 
uh, little messages back and forth. And when she starts to look into it, she sees that Kane is a prolific writer of these types of direct-to-Kindle slasher novels. And they all feature women who die in incredibly sadistic ways and are very gratuitous. And the bio that he's written for himself is extremely arrogant and basically as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, this is a this is an incel dude. <laughs> like this is everything that you picture with an, an incel guy. So he um so Emma when she's reading this book, she's just so annoyed by it that she decides she has to write a one star review. And she's shocked when pretty much immediately the author responds to her and asks her to take it down. And it's a, a you know polite response, but it's it's uh telling her what to do and so she refuses and as they go back and forth he gets more aggressive and insulting and she responds in kind to to the way he's acting so his last message is pretty threatening to her and puts her on edge but she doesn't think too much of it because how is how how would he know who she is Mm -hmm. Um, but then some strange things start to happen like she starts to feel like someone is in the house or that she's being watched and she's sure that someone is watching her sleep but she has nothing to prove it so then more scary stuff starts happening and even though it seems impossible it becomes clear that hg kane has actually tracked her down so i thought i mean this is a difficult book for me because people hiding in my house is my number one fear basically uh, possibly irrational but possibly not and i thought that it, like it was a little bit of a struggle for me at first to get it to to pick it up because that scares me so much but this is just such a clever take on the books about books subgenre mm-hmm. because this is not usually where they go and especially since reader reviews and author involvement in reader reviews on on goodreads and amazon has been such a hot topic in the book world for the past few years mm-hmm. Um, if you if you don't know about these things, there's um, a phenomenon called review bombing where readers will write reviews for books they haven't read, but they're kind of trying to push an agenda on on the book success. And so um, that's a, a big thing. Um, lots of reviews are saying things that they wouldn't say to anyone's face, but because it's anonymous and online, they'll do that. But then authors will also push back mm-hmm. and be harassing to reviewers. Um, and there have been cases of authors stalking uh, people who have given them bad reviews and um, tracking them down to their their homes. And it's just a, a thing that we didn't deal with until a few years right. ago and has really exploded in the last few years. So I thought this was just such a an interesting and logical extension of that debate. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty impossible to put down once you get going. And I would very much say do not read it when you're isolated because it is too scary it is is so scary it is very scary i've actually i can't believe i stuck with this one because it's it was a bit scary for me but right i think i kind of figured out the the twist so to speak i mean i guess you'd consider it a twist the ending i think i i sort of like in my mind was predicting what the ending was going to be yeah yeah and so i felt like that sort of took the edge off because it wasn't I don't know. It was scary, though. It's a scary book. Yeah. Yeah. There. I will say the dog is okay because I know yes. that, that yes. anytime you mention a dog, you have to be sure to say that it's okay. But lots of innocent people are not. So be aware. of. <laughs> My last one is The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. Anna and I were talking this briefly before we started recording. I feel like a lot of the books I read about books tend to fall into that relationship fiction 
how novels help people connect, just like some of the stories I've talked about today. Uh, but a lot of the books that I read fall into that camp. And so this book I really liked and wanted to talk about because it is not about fiction. It is about nonfiction. It's about a dictionary. And, um, and it's historical fiction. So it's a little bit different than some of the other books that I think of in this category. So it is about Esme, who is raised by her father. And he spends his days in what they call the scriptorium, which is a shed behind their house where this group of people, including her father, group of men, I should say, including her father, decide which words are going to be included in the very first Oxford English Dictionary. Ooh. And they have all these lips of paper. People send in suggestions of words that they think should be included. They compile words from all sorts of different sources, and then they sift through them all, and they decide what's going to be in this Oxford English Dictionary. And one day, Esme sees a slip of paper that has been tossed to the side, so it's clearly been discarded. It's not going to be included in the dictionary. And she looks up, looks at it, and the word that's on it is bondmaid and she asks what that is and her dad explains that it is a female slave and so Esme starts thinking to herself well why wouldn't this have been included that seems like a word that people should know and it gets her on this track of thinking about how this group of people how these men are deciding what words are included in the dictionary and what which words aren't, and she starts collecting the ones that are discarded with the idea that she is going to someday create her own dictionary of these discarded lost words. The story continues as she gets older, and it, it shifts a bit, and Esme gets involved in the women's suffrage movement, and there's a connection there that she starts making about power dynamics in society and who has power, and who gets to tell the story of, of history and, you know, what words people choose to use. And it's all interconnected of, you know, who gets to decide how we talk about things and, and what, we, what words are considered acceptable and not acceptable. And I just thought it was so engrossing. It was such an interesting story. I didn't know much about the Oxford English Dictionary. My understanding is a lot of the basis of the story is true as far as the development of it. Azmi is obviously a fictional character, but a lot of the, the sort of structure of the story about the Oxford English Dictionary is true. I will say, I think it starts a little bit slowly, like you kind of have to get into it. Then once you do, I just, I just really, really loved this. If you like historical fiction, I would definitely add this one to your list. It's The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. And the, I don't know if that's a, what the author's gender is, but they have a, a new yes, the book binder uh, book yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I know that it's fun to have someone who has sort of a through line. Yes, of, me too. Yes, I like that too. This is my style. I have that sort of on tap. I have an advanced reader's copy of that. I haven't gotten to yet, but I that I think takes place in World War One, maybe or something. I don't I think it's World remember. War Two. I think it's World War One. But anyway, it sounds interesting. And yes, again, a, about about books and words, and I definitely want to read that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we will be right back with what we're reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? 
Um, so I might regret talking about this because I think we're probably going to do a spooky episode next and I'm talking about a horror novel. So I may wish I had reserved this, but in any case, I'm reading Lone Women by Victor Laval. And this is a horror novel that's set in Montana in the, I think it, it's early 20th century. I think like, like 1918, 1915, somewhere in there. Um, so the book opens with a woman named Adelaide Henry sitting, she's setting her uh, family home on fire and her parents are inside and they have been murdered in a pretty horrific way and Adelaide has to get away fast and make it look like she also died in the fire. Um, so the community that she's a part of is um, a black farming community in California, but her family, the, the Henry family, has always sort of been outliers in this community because they were not super active in the activities of the local church. And when they were alone, they preferred to read literature instead of the Bible. And they just were not quite as devout as, as everyone else they knew. And they also are keeping a secret among the three of them that is pretty imperative that they, they keep to themselves. When she leaves, she decides that she's going to go to Montana to make a claim on the land that the government is giving for free as long as you work the land. And so she's a homesteader and what she's called or what the the women who do this are, are called lone women because they're single women who till the land themselves. And she takes very little with her other than a large trunk that's unusually heavy and that she's unusually protective over. And as you can imagine, there aren't a whole lot of single black women in Montana. And so she's isolated both geographically, but also just in, in the people that she does come across. She doesn't really meet anyone that's like her, but she learns to make connections with other lone women that she comes across. And there are some male homesteaders that she meets, uh, but it's difficult for her to to want to have any kind of relationships with people because of what is in the trunk. She can she can never get too close to them because of this trunk, and this is for their own protection. So um, there are also other threats that are present in her world um, based on some people that she comes across, and there's just this it's it's all wide open plains that are totally crushing you as you're reading this book like it has that that delicious uh sort of feeling that you get from from movies like midsummer where you think the the aesthetic of this is so different from the way i feel and it's it's so claustrophobic even as there's all this open space and i i love how how victor laval has um has created that that feeling in the book um he to me is a really interesting author because he writes literary horror and uh, it's always a little bit different from what he's written before. So um, I think the only book of his that I've read and I talked about um, several years ago on the podcast is called The Devil in Silver. And that was based on his experience in a mental hospital. And so this is a completely different book while still being a horror novel. And so I, I just really appreciate his creativity. And that is Lone Women by Victor Laval. Yeah, I've never read anything by him, but I've heard other people talk about his books and you talk about his book or previous book you read and now this one and mm -hmm. uh he sounds like a very interesting writer very intriguing yeah he feels a way. little bit like a oh go ahead sorry no just like he doesn't write the same book twice yeah 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 he seems he seems a little bit like a like a standard i mean literary horror is such a a big uh subgenre mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. or or i mean horror right. is, is definitely having a moment right now and then literary horror horror is very popular and he's 
a standard yes. author of that. Yes. So um, definitely, definitely one to, to look into if you like horror. Or even if you don't, just just maybe try it. <laughs> Give it a shot. Yeah. You just have to find the type of horror that works for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What I am reading this week, or actually I just read it because what I am currently reading, I'm not far enough into to even talk about. So <laughs> I went with something I just finished. It's The Unmaking of June Farrow by Adrienne Young. And it comes out, I think, uh, in about a week from when this episode will go up. So um, it's not quite out yet, but it will be soon. And it is set in North Carolina, which I love because I live in North Carolina, set near Asheville. And it's a story of the women of the Pharaoh family. It opens after the death of the grandmother of a woman named June. And June was raised by her grandmother after her mother disappeared when she was a young girl. And June is now in her early 30s and is worried that what she has always known to be the family curse is hitting her now and it's this curse uh, curse kind of is in quotes because it's it's basically mental illness that all of the women in her family have at some point faced mental illness and and succumbed to mental illness really like by the time it affects them it's it it causes great impact on their life and sometimes it's when they're older and sometimes it's when they're younger and for June she's worried it is happening to her now when she is in her early 30s Um, when the book starts it's been happening to her for about a year and she has these moments in time where she's almost having hallucinations like she's hearing things and seeing things that she knows aren't there like she she'll hear wind chimes in a place that there are no wind chimes she knows there can't possibly be but it's so realistic that she's convinced that her brain is just going haywire and that she is going to to have um, this problem that all the other women in her family have had. She receives a letter one day from her grandmother that her grandmother wrote and and posted before her death. And it indicates to June that maybe what is happening to her isn't mental illness, but something else. And, And June decides she needs to get to the bottom of what's happening and what her grandmother's letter says to her Um, there's also a photo that she sees and that doesn't make sense to her based on what she knows of of reality and the time that she's living in and it's this old picture and there's somebody in the picture that she thinks how can that person possibly be in this picture Um, so that's all I'm going to say because I think part of this don't read the reviews of this book they give way too much away I'm going to say that right now And, and and you know reviews can do that like that that's Sometimes you need to in a review, but I think that you are much better off going into this book knowing as little as possible. I think I've given you just the bare bones of the very beginning of this book, and then you can take it and and go into the story from there. I thought it was a great fall book. Like, it was a very fitting fall book because there's this little bit of sort of like a mystery about what's going on, but also like a little bit of a sort of magic supernatural thing maybe happening. Um, It just felt very folly to me like there's something about it that that really fit for the season and I'm not much of a seasonal reader you are I know but I'm not Mm -hmm. Um, but it is kind of fun to read these books where you feel like it's a perfect time and place to to read them it reminded me Mm -hmm. quite a bit of Wayward by Amelia Hart which I read earlier this year again another generational story about different women and their connection to each other 
So that is The Unmaking of June Farrow by Adrienne Young. And this is one I'm getting the sense a lot of people are looking forward to. So I was excited to get to talk about it. It sounds a little practical magic-y in in like the... the Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've only ever seen that movie and I saw it years and years ago. So I don't remember it quite... I don't remember it that well. Um, But yes, I would would agree with that. I think from from what I know of that movie and the book and what people talk about in the fall and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, there are lots of things I see online about practical magic that I feel like I know it better than I do. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I would say it's a similar, similar kind of story. That's a movie I hated so much when I first saw it. And this, this shows how we were talking earlier about the, the way you change over time. I hated it when I first saw it. Oh, really? Like, oh, it sounds so cozy. I know it does. Yeah. That's one I would like to revisit. I haven't seen that since I first came out. I still don't like the the midnight margaritas scene, but oh, that's yeah. the one everyone loves. Um, but that was the reason I hated it so much. Oh, and, really? And yeah, just well, it's not me. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. Um, and so now I'm like, oh, I can I can forget that and appreciate all the rest of of what's that's, going on yeah. in, the, in the movie. Well, and I like Alice Hoffman, right? Is that the author of Practical Magic, Alice Hoffman? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. liked some of her other books, and I read a prequel of that book. Yeah, yeah. For the yeah. audio uh, words a few years ago, I read that. So yeah, I read that for the same reason. Oh, interesting. Um, but I can't remember the name of it right now. Something magic. Um, yeah, <laughs> it either had magic or practical in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! All right, we have yammered on yes. a whole long time about books about books. So let's go back and list off what we talked about. Okay, I talked about the Stranger Diaries by Ellie Griffiths. Um, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Marianne Schaefer and Annie Barrows, The Last Word by Taylor Adams, and what I'm reading this week is Lone Women by Victor Laval. And I talked about The Wishing Game by Meg Schaefer, The Door-to-Door Bookstore by Karsten Henn, The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams, and what I was reading this week is The Unmaking of June Farrow by Adrian Young. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss or tell us about your favorite book about books, you can reach us at wellreadpod at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this and every episode. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading.